Well, hello and welcome to Faithbrook Church. My name is Mike. I am the Connections Pastor here on staff. It is truly so good to be with you this beautiful Sunday morning, both everyone here on site and even those of you guys joining in online. I love that we can worship together. Well, if you are a guest joining in this morning, maybe this is your very first time joining in. I just want to say a special welcome to you and thank you for being here and taking time out of your weekend to join in. I appreciate you being here and gathering with us today. Also, if you've been maybe here a few weeks, maybe uh, you have been joining in, I want to invite you to stick around for 15 minutes after service today to our discovery class. And this is just a short class on just uh, who Faithbrook is, what makes us tick, also an opportunity to meet our lead pastor, Jim, and uh, in addition to meet some other new people as well. So I want to encourage you to stick around. I'd love to see you after service if you're newer to this community. Well, we have a great service going on the rest of this morning. In fact, in just a few moments, we're going to hear a message from our lead pastor, Jim, as we wrap up our series called Under the Surface. But before we do, I wanted to make a special invite for everyone here to come out and check out our connection event happening this Tuesday called Bikes and Barbecue. This is a fantastic event. Not only do we have an opportunity to eat some yummy barbecue food, but we also then can go on a bike ride after to exercise it off so that way, you know, we can keep our things in check, you know what I mean. So this is an all-ages event. It's for uh, everyone and for the youngers, uh, if they're, or littles, uh, if they can't go on the bike ride, there will be a little bike events going on for them here on campus as well. Now, in addition, one of the best things about this event is all the proceeds are going to raise funds for our youth, uh, our youth ministries, specifically for the summer camps so that they can go on retreats and whatnot. So this is a great time to not only meet in a fellowship with other people, but also an opportunity to raise some uh, funds for our youth ministries as well. So the best thing to do is what I want to encourage you to do is go on to the Church Center app. If you don't have this app on your phone, make sure to download it from your app store. It takes a few minutes to get going. And once you set it up, you go down to the bottom and tap on events. And you'll see this logo, Bikes and Barbecue, and you can tap on that and you can register for the event. Now, two reasons why we ask you to register is so that one, we know that you're coming and we can make the appropriate and bring the appropriate amount of food. But second, we know that weather can be wishy-washy here in Minnesota. So uh, if any case we have to make any movements of the date for uh, for the event, we can notify you and let you know that things are uh, could potentially be changing. So be sure to register for the event so that way we can let you know what's uh, happening and that we know you're coming. So I look forward to seeing you uh, this Tuesday for Bikes and Barbecue. Well, I have a question for you. Here's the question this morning. It's what is one of the biggest decisions you ever made in your life. Uh, maybe you're a young person, you're like, uh, to go to college or not to go to college. Maybe um, when you got older, you're like, well, should, should I move or should we stay or should we maybe buy a house? That, that, that'll take something. Hopefully you, the biggest decision you ever made was to say yes to Jesus and invite him into your life and in your heart. Uh, maybe the big decision was who you're going to marry. Or were you going to get a divorce or not? Uh, we, there are so many big decisions that can come through our life. And every time we step out to make a decision, there's always a risk. There's always some insecurities there. Uh, we don't like big decisions sometimes because every time we do that, there's a kind of a sense of losing control because it can be unpredictable. 
Well, we're going to go there in just a little bit, but first I just want to say hello to you. Thanks for watching us online. This might be your first time or second time. Just welcome back to Faithbrook. It is a beautiful weekend, and we are coming to the conclusion of this series called Under the Surface. And we've been learning that there is a lot of things under the surface that we have to deal with. It was really kind of inspired by uh, the movie Encanto, where the main character's sister is singing this song about under the surface pressure, that on the surface, she's looking really put together. People believe in her. She's so strong. But here in this song, she's confessing. She's like, you know, but underneath, I get tired of all these issues, the stress, these things that I'm carrying in my life. And we talked sometimes for us, some of the under the surface issues can be like guilt that, you know, we're, we're going along and we're kind of Christian, but really we're, we really got some things that we're uh, embarrassed about and not right. And God invites us to, to get right with him. Another one is our, our identity. Everyone's talking about identity, right? And what is my purpose? What should I look like? And, and there's answers for that. Then last week, we, talk, we talked about uh, just our, our worth. Uh, where do we get our worth? Where do we get our value? And, and in our world, our worth usually comes from performance. But God says, oh, your worth can come from whose you are. You are my child. Be free. Be whole in me. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about one of the most delicate, uh, ticklish subjects uh, that we're going. In fact, it's going to be pretty personal It's going to be pretty heavy this morning, so just hang in there. And we're going to be talking about the subject of control. I would submit to you that underneath, a lot of times, we want to have control of our life. And a lot of times, it needs to be a lot about us. I'll never forget uh, overhearing uh, someone sharing about a, a friend of theirs that they knew, and they were trying to describe them, and there was just something about this person that just didn't set right. And they came up with this phrase that said, it went like this. This person, life is still too much about himself. And I'll never forget that. I I think that they just kind of nailed it, right? It wasn't like this person that was belligerent and this person's evil and bad. No, it was a good person. But what was it? And when they said, oh, yeah, it seems like life is still too much about themselves. It's like, yes. That's what can easily happen in a lot of our lives, right? That underneath the surface, there's just kind of an agenda that, that you know, we, we need to have it our way, right? Whether we kind of want to be first in line or we want the attention, we still want life to be about us. Maybe this has to do with stubbornness. Maybe this has to do with pride. I'm not sure, but we can have a smile on our face. We can be a believer in Christ. But underneath the surface, we're just like, yeah, I, I, it's gonna, life's going to be about me, and you need to figure that out pretty soon. Some of you might say, oh, well, you're just talking about downright old-fashioned selfishness. Uh, I know what selfishness looks like. Yeah, uh, we can be very selfish. But a lot of it steers around this thing, the need to have control. I want my own little kingdom. I got my dreams. I got my way. And everybody around me needs to figure that out. And, and we don't need anybody telling me what kind of decisions I need to make or what, what kind of uh, changes I need to make in life, including God sometimes. We'd rather him just stay over there. We thank you for your forgiveness and your love. But, you know, when it comes down to the big things, it's going to be me. I'm going to stay in control. I, 
I see sometimes this, this uh, sticks his ugly head up in power struggles. Sometimes there's going to be church fights, and you're like, well, what's that all about, right? Well, someone has to have their way. Sometimes it shows up behind closed doors, right? And what happens in that beautiful marriage, right? Because sometimes there's some selfishness happening. There's, I want control. I've also noticed that sometimes we hang on to hurt uh, and anger. Something happened to us in our past. Someone did something to us. And so we, we have a hard time forgiving. We have a hard time releasing because it feels better sometimes to just be control in control of that. And we're not going to just, just release it, right? Hmm. Well, this tension a lot of times can appear in even Christians as well. Many Christians love Jesus. They, they have a decent relationship with Christ. They're going on through, through life. But underneath the surface sometimes, there comes this tug of war. There comes this kind of hidden secret issue of, of who's going to be boss, who's going to be uh, in control of our life. And, and we don't see it uh, out on the surface, but, but it's those, those private times, those, especially around decisions. Now, to help you understand a little bit, uh, there's a phrase that Christians used to say a lot, and they would maybe testify to say, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. He is my Lord and my Savior. Well, I would suggest to you that the, the word Savior is much easier than the Lord, because Savior has to do with salvation. Salvation has to do with being saved, that we're up against it. We have sinned against God. There's eternal punishment, and God's outside of our life. And so when God, we realize that we need forgiveness, that God can transform us. We don't have to have that guilt anymore. He, he, he miraculously forgives us. It's amazing grace. We are new in Christ. We are a child of Christ. We're going to heaven, and it's all good, and we praise God. However... Uh, we, we also know that we still want control. And that's where the word Lord comes in. That, that word means they're going to be uh, uh, commander in chief. They're going to be the boss of our life. And they make decisions in our life. And that's a whole other animal there for Savior and Lord. See, I would suggest that each one of us uh, have inbred in us a nature that we want to be Lord. <laughs> we we want to take charge, right? We see this in the in the Garden of um, uh, Garden of Adam and Eve, where, where he's being tempted, hey, you want to take this apple? Then you can have the, the knowledge. You can be in control. And, and Adam and Eve took that. And then we have this fall that we still want it our way, to do it our way, while God's like, no, I want you to do it my way. I, I want you to follow me and trust me. And so we have this, this tension or this tug of war in our life, not to mention fears. Because, you know, if we go all in with God, then maybe you never know what he's going to ask us to do. And we might have to adjust. We might have to sacrifice. We might have to change. And, and I'm not sure about that. So I'm just going to kind of naturally, secretly stay in charge of my life. Can you relate to this? Do you think sometimes there's a tension in your life about control that doesn't really show itself on the surface, but privately, secretly? Yeah, I, I kind of want to be the Lord and the master of my life and also go to, go to heaven. Well, if that's true, then you're in good company because we see that a lot of times in the Bible, different characters, personalities in the Bible wrestling with the same thing. 
I, I, I mentioned Adam and Eve. We see this in Moses. We see this in Gideon. We see this in Jacob. We see this in David. We see this in Jonah, right? It's not like they're not believers in Christ. They believe in God. They want God. But all of a sudden, there's some things that are pushing back. Like, no, I don't like that. It's scary. If I do that, you never know. And I'd rather not. Well, there is this tension. And it shouldn't surprise us because from the very beginning, God created us in his image. And God is holy. And he wants us to be holy. That's the difference between animals and humans, that he gave us a consciousness. He gave us a soul. He gave us free choice. And his hope was, hey, you're going to have this world and, and this, this beautiful place and, and have relationships and families and all that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm hoping that you'll choose to reflect me, that you'll choose to be like me and, and be holy like me. And so we see this theme throughout the Bible. We see it in the Old Testament, Leviticus. He says, be holy as I am holy. Uh, Peter in the New Testament picks us up, and he's telling Christians to be holy as God is holy. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he doesn't use the word holy, but he uses the word, word perfect, be perfect as I am perfect. He's not so talking so much about your performance, right, he's, and the rules. He's talking about your heart. Be complete in me. Be, be completely saturated with my love and my holiness in your heart to be perfect. Now, today, we might simplify and say, man, if we can get there, it'd be like, just be Christ-like. Just be like Christ in word, thought, and deed. On Monday mornings, Fridays, Sundays, just be holy like Jesus, wherever your context is, wherever your situation is, be like Jesus. Now, when we talk about holy or holiness, it, this kind of intimidates us a little bit. It's a pretty heavy word. It's kind of mysterious. We're not sure. You might be in some churches that they may talk about another word called sanctification. That's a really heavy word, too. We're not sure what that means. Well, let me, let me just kind of simplify it for you this morning, that, that holiness and sanctification are almost synonymous a sanctification is just kind of the process to, to make you holy, right? If something is sanctified, they become holy. And, and sanctification or holiness means there's something special or set apart about this, this person or this thing. For instance, if you think of our society, what is sanctified holy? What is set apart? That's a little bit different, like, Man, that, that's, a God, that's a God thing. That's, that's holy. For instance, uh, let's say a cathedral, right? Some beautiful cathedrals, maybe some churches in your mind. You're like, you know, that thing's been built there to be set apart, and that definitely is holy. That, that's sanctified uh, to be in God's purpose, right? You think about maybe in churches or this church. Would, would you say that this cross back here is, is holy? It's sanctified? Because, see, it's set apart to, to be represent Christ, Right? Uh, we used to pass um, offering plates, and they were pretty little gold plates, right? They were sanctified to do God's work, to collect God's offering, right? We, we don't take that, that plate and, and pass out potato chips with it, right? Or, or take it out as a bucket and put weeds in it, right? No, it, it's identifiable as holy. It's, it's sanctified holy. And God wants that in humans, not just buildings or material things, but in you and me, that's where his heart is. You might be thinking, yes, that's why we have those priest people, right? Uh, they're wearing a collar. They're identifiable. When you see one of those, you're like, yes, that person's set apart to be a minister, uh, a priest. You're, you're holy. 
Well, guess what? It doesn't stop there. The New Testament says, man, I want every believer to be holy. I want every people to be entirely sanctified in me and to be identifiable as a holy person. Well, that, that, that gets a little scary scary, right? I, I remember in the 90s, there was this uh, Christian group, uh, music group called DC Talk. They came out and they had this uh, big hit called Jesus Freaks, right? And, and if you get too holy, if you get too radical, then you're going to be a Jesus freak, right? And, and, and you got to ask yourself, man, am I really one of those freaky people, right? That everybody's like, I can tell that you are a Christ follower. There's, there's something different about you. And that, there's where the rub is. We're, we're, we're not sure. It's kind of like when they asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, what, what is the greatest commandment, right? We got all these rules and traditions, and which one? He says, man, here, it just comes down to this. I want you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything you got. Love me with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now, I, I'm not sure if we are there, right? I'm not sure if we're really honest with ourselves. Are we loving God with everything we have? Or is it just maybe when we feel like it, or it's convenient, or, or just kind of pseudo at some level? So what is it about this holiness? Well, let, let me give you a little bit more instruction here. See, holiness starts at the time we are saved. It's, it's the moment we say yes to Jesus. He forgives us. His spirit comes into us, and we are saved. Now, technically, we'd call this initial sanctification. It's the beginning of our sanctification process. In Christ's mind or God's mind, we are set apart as holy. He has atoned for our sins. He went on the cross for our sins. He forgave us our sins. We sing about his amazing grace. It's no more. We are our identity now as a child of God. Our ticket is punched to to heaven and, and we are set to go. Yes, yes, yes. It's awesome, right? But as we continue to process in our life, we realize that a lot of times we're not sure if we always want to be holy. We, we like that salvation. We like that forgiveness. We like heaven, right? But a lot of times it's like, who, who's going to be the boss of our life? And we might need to come to a different decision in life, not for forgiveness, but who's going to be the boss, the, the Lord of a commander of our life. And we call this entire sanctification. The word entire talks about entity. I would submit to you a lot of times when we invite Christ into our life, we're thankful for that. We're forgiven. Amen. We get baptized. It's awesome. And then we're just kind of like, Jesus, you sit over there. Okay. I'm going to run my life. And if I ever get in trouble, then I'll call you up and you need to figure everything out and, and he, take care of things. But I'm still boss. Okay, and he patiently sits over there. But pretty soon he's coming out of his chair because he's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not content to sit here. Because see, I'm the Lord of the universe. I'm going to be the Lord of your life, not just your Savior, but your Lord. And all of a sudden we start realizing there's some issues there. We might need a second work that happens in our life. So really salvation is about our sins. Entire sanctification is about our will. It's not so much what we did last month that we're guilty of, right? And we got to forgiveness about who's going to be boss, who's going to make the decisions. And that's two different things. And my friends, I would suggest this is where it gets a little dicey. This is where it gets a little bit personal because now we're talking about the root of who we are. Now we're talking about what's really under the surface. Are we willing to be completely under the Lord's leadership? that he has all of our life? Are we willing, we might just have to separate ourselves away from things that pollute us, 
that, that hurt our witness or our souls, right? That might be, but we might be a little bit different. Then we might be a little bit uh, weird. And let's face it, there's a lot of fun and alluring things out there that, that grab us that probably are not very godly. And so there's that decision, right? Are we going to follow him or are we going to kind of follow our way? Now, could it be that God is really looking for people who would be fully devoted to him? Could it be that we have a problem in America today that when people say, well, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a Christian, that people are like, eh, I'm not sure. You, you just kind of look like everybody else. Your language is about everything else. Your, your leisure activity is about like everything else. And, 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 and I'm, I'm not sure. Could it be that God is desperate to say, who will stand up and say, man, that you'd be fully all in devoted to Christ and people would know it. It's not that you're wearing a collar, but just your lifestyle, just your demeanor, just the, the love instead of is life still still about you. It's still the man, how you react to things. It's still going to be protection. It's still going to be anger instead of just love and forgiveness. There it is. Could it be that our society is desperate to find Christians to say, yeah, I'm Christ follower, and they mean it, they're authentic, and they're real? Could that be a great need in our life? See, I, I would suggest that underneath all this and this tension is really the fear of losing control. It's the fear of losing control. Now, this shouldn't surprise us because we all like to be in control, and even you know, Wall Street understands that we like to be in control and give us options. Uh, a lot of times people would rather rent and lease because they don't want to be so committed that they have to, it costs a lot to buy something, right? Uh, sometimes if we're going to buy something, we want to make sure that we have a, they have a full return policy because, you know, if it doesn't work out, we want to be in control to be able to return it. And we see this sometimes happening in young people when they're, they're hesitant to, to marry, you know, I don't know if we want to do that legality, right? That, that's a huge commitment there to get married and there's some divorce in my family, and so let's just kind of keep our options open. Let's just live together and kind of in love together without doing that, right? Because we still have control, and we fear losing control. But that's exactly what God is asking, that we give him complete control of our life. What happened in the past, what's happening now, and what's happening in the, in the future. And this makes us nervous. But if we get to that point, we have to make a decision that we'd be all in. You've, you've heard that slogan before, all in. It comes from a poker analogy where the person's looking at their hands. They're like, man, I, I think I got a good hand here. And so I'm going to risk it all. They take every chip and put it in the center of that table. They're going to bet it all, right? And a lot of times as Christians, we're really not ready to bet everything on Jesus and God. So we kind of hold some chips back right? Because still life is still a lot about us, and we're not sure if we're going to be all in with God, but God said, I went all in for you. I sent my only son, my beloved son, and he sacrificed tremendously on the cross and rose from the dead, and I've sent this Holy Spirit that you'd open up your hearts wide open and it'd be filled entirely, but you have to do the work. I did the work on the cross for your salvation, but when it comes to your entire sanctification, I'm waiting for you to deny yourself, take up your cross. The Apostle Paul was writing to Roman Christians in chapter 12 of Romans, trying to explain this. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. In other words, look at his love. Look what he did. Look at the sacrifice. Would you just take a look at that? I, to, I want you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. 
He didn't say, I want you to offer your bodies as dead sacrifices. I want you to live it, but I need you to sacrifice everything, your bodies. This is personal stuff. This is the essence of who we are. I want you to be holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, proper worship. In other words, this is the standard that God had from the very beginning. It's just not forgiveness. Whoo, praise God, I'm forgiven. But God wants you to be all in and be a living sacrifice for him. See, our motivation is not so so much about fear and keeping the line, but our motivation to follow him is out of love. And when this happens, a lot of times the filling of the Holy Spirit comes into our life. Some, some people believe, man, you start speaking in, in tongues and, and get spooky or whatever. Some people say, man, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Just love and godliness starts oozing out of your life. It's a consistent thing. We, Galatians talks about the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, self-control. It's just kind of a byproduct of being filled with God's Spirit. A lot of times we just, we just got a little bit of God's Spirit. When we invite him in, please come into my life and, and forgive me, right? And, and we sit God over here, but he wants to flood us with his all-encompassing love. The life is not so much about us, but it's about God. Well, Jim, you, you got my attention. Now you're talking about the, the core of who I am, and it's kind of tough, right? Can you explain more? Well, let me give you three phrases that might can help us a little bit. So really, holiness about, is about trading our selfishness for selflessness. That's really really boils down to. Sometimes, God, I am selfish. And I want these things. It's hard for me to let those go. And God's saying, man, would, would you trade that for my selflessness to trust me, to be wide open? One of the analogies that, that we use, it's not always the perfect, is marriage. And I realize there's been some dysfunctional marriages out there. But there's a difference between in love and dating someone and marriage, okay? I mean, there's something about, man, I really like you. We jive together. I want to spend time with you. But if, to get married, whoa. I mean, we lose some options right there, right? I mean, I still want to be able to bail out. I still want to do my thing. Let's just be this couple in love and blah, 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 blah. But to be getting married, that's a serious issue. And that's what Christ is asking for. So why would anybody get married right? Why would anybody do that? You're losing some options. You're off the market, you know, kind of stuff, because you're so in love with this person. It's like, I am willing to commit my life entirely to you. Do we not stand before, hopefully, a minister, and we say these vows? And what do we say to these vows? We say to these persons, you know, uh, for better or worse, forsaking all others, you can count on me. I love you. I pledge my love and my life to you. Basically, you are surrendering your privileges to give your life to this person that you love. And that person is doing the same thing. They're willing to surrender their life and say, we are one. In fact, in fact, your identity becomes a couple instead of individuals. The minister says, put on a ring. And so when you see someone's wedding ring, that says, man, you're identifiable. You're taken. You know, in, in my life, I used to be Jim, and there was a Terry. And now we got together, and they're like, you're the comforts, right? And I lost the privilege to say, well, I think I'm going to buy a car tomorrow, right? Uh-uh, that's not good. Can't get an amen, right? So I got to kind of yield and say, I'm thinking about this. And what she says matters in my life. 
Why would you do that? You're losing a lot of control because I love her tremendously. And there's benefits when that marriage grows. There's a unity. There's an intimacy. There's a trust as we navigate life together. doesn't mean that it's always easy. It doesn't mean that, that it's always a bliss. Not at all. But my, my disposition is not about me anymore. It's not about I'm going to be single and I'm going to be in control and you can come and go, right? It's no, I'm willing to, to go before the holy God and pledge my life and take on a new identity and submit and be fully devoted to this individual. This is what God is looking for when, when we go from being selfish to selfless. Well, and, and by the way, it's not always easy to, to be in that marriage and that fully devoted relationship. But here's the deal, my friends. Love is not always a feeling. Love is not always a feeling. And a lot of times love is commitment. And sometimes God says, hey, I need you to do this. I need you to give that and and behave this way. I'm like, I don't know if I feel like it. I don't always feel like being married either. But what kicks in is my commitment and my love to be all into this individual. Before you know it, that love grows. There's a privilege there. And, and, and we figure it out, and we start marriage, and every year it starts growing bigger and better, hopefully. Well, the second thing holding is what is not. It's not performance perfection, but heart perfection. A lot of times we're like, man, if we're going to be sanctified holy, we've got to do everything right. What, what God is looking for is our heart. And the more our heart enlarges and full of God's love and his Holy Spirit, the more our performance usually uh, follows through. And this is what parents like. If you ask the parents, say, what do you want, boys, what do you want most of your kids? To make sure they're all nervous and they make all their beds straight and they do everything just right. Or a kid that says, Mom, I'm doing my very best. Was that good enough, Mom? Dad, was that good enough? Because you're looking for their heart. And if they mess up a little bit, but you know their, their heart is perfected and it's whole and they're doing their very best, you're like, yes, he's all in. Okay, I, I, I got that. But a lot of times we're not all in. A lot of times we're, we're, we might be married, but our heart is not there. And sometimes even in marriage to our spiritual life, we gotta, we got to come to a point of valuation. And, and maybe I need to check my love level. Maybe I need to check my commitment level. And sometimes we have to re-surrender. Sometimes we have to um, uh, uh, look what, that, what, what that's about. Man, I, I remember when I was, when I was younger, uh, this message came to me. And uh, I, on the surface, I was, a, I was Christian. I was coming out of college. I was getting my degree. I had these dreams and my occupation. I was hoping to make some money and, and I'm feeling pretty good. And on the surface, people would say, yeah, Jim, Jim's, that guy's a Christian, right? He's, he's pretty dedicated, right? And it was all good. And then I came to one of those silly churches and this minister guy starts preaching on this holiness thing, right? And he really starts confronting my, my soul about who's in control. I mean, am I willing to give control to, to God, this, this, this entire sanctification thing? I mean, that scared me. I was like, and I didn't appreciate it really because, you know, I, I had it all mapped out. I, I, this is what I wanted to be. This is what I was going to do. And now he's asking me, God wants all that? And I was like, oh, I'm not sure. And man, I got on a conviction. And I love Jesus. He forgave me, died on the cross. I've been following. He's changed my life. And he come calling. Jim, I don't want to be in the corner anymore. I want all your life. I want your future. You, you, you want my career kind of thing? Yeah. You want those dreams? Yeah. Well, you never know. If you might call me to something that pays less. Yeah, that's right. But what about the things in the past? 
yeah, I want all that too. And, and I made it the biggest decision in my life besides finding Christ. As I said, God, you can have my whole, my whole life. And I'm telling you, man, something changed in me. Something changed in me. It was like there was a barrier in my heart of me still wanting to be in control. And when I set that aside, God finally had permission to flood me with his spirit, to flood me with his love. And it was like I was starting all over again in my, in my spiritual life, man. But it wasn't me anymore. God, it, my, my life was crucified. Myself was crucified. Now, now it was Jesus. And yes, I did get a little freaky. I did get a little bit emotional. I did get a little bit excited because I wasn't worrying every day that who was going to make decision. And I always had to protect my way. It was going to be Christ all the way. And my, my disposition, it wasn't bent towards me anymore. It was bent before, man, how can I? honor you, God. That doesn't mean I was perfect in behavior, but God wasn't worried about that. He was worried about my heart, right? And, and, I, and I stopped doing some things, and they're like, oh, you stopped doing other things because your church told you not to. That's against the rules. I was like, no, I, I'm not doing that because it affects my relationship with Jesus. I don't want to wound him. I don't want to harm my witness. I'm going to do all I can for God, so I'm going to let go of some of these things. Some of you might be thinking, yes, that's right. That's when you got into ministry, right? You got called in the ministry. And said, no, I didn't. I, in fact, I kind of avoided going into ministry because everyone that got fired up for Jesus and got holified, right, went into ministry. Like, man, we got enough preachers, right? Let's have someone in the marketplace, right, that could be out there with everyday people and living like Jesus, exemplifying Jesus, reflecting Jesus. And, and I did get out there in the marketplace. And finally, after about two years, uh, God come calling and said, Jim, you need to obey. This is my will. You need to raise up a, a church that's going to impact and share this message. And I yielded myself to that. So a lot of times, holiness is not so much a performance, perfection, but it's a heart. Where's your heart? And then thirdly, surrender is not always easy, but it's worth it. Surrender is not always easy. It's scary to give full control to God, but it is worth it. Because once again, I don't have to put it up for date every day and wrestle with God and feel bad if I, if I choose something different. Every week, every day, I'm like, God, I'm yours. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to give? Fill me, use me, flow through me. And for you know it, when, you, when the barrier is gone and the Holy Spirit is, is full of, is, is in, in you, right? Before you know it, there, there's a joy. There's a freedom. There's a power. There's a confidence. And yes, you do get a little different maybe, right? Before you know it, you just love people. You're just like, man, can I help you? Can I share with you? Can I care about you? And what about your needs, Jim? Well, I do have needs. I do have interests. Yes, but it's not the front and center. It's on the back seat. We'll get to those things, but first it's going to be God. And then God starts using and doing some, some things incredible and miraculous in your life if you're willing to surrender because it is worth it. So if you look in the Bible, like in Romans 8, you'll, you'll notice that Paul is also sharing about this. And in fact, here, here's some scriptures in 5 and 6. He says, those who live according to the flesh, in other words, live according to what you want, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according with the spirit, here's the difference. Your mind is set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed or controlled by the flesh, it's, it's not going to lead good. Every time I try to control things, usually it's not going to end up well, not to mention what's going to happen in eternity. But 
The mind governed by the spirit, controlled by the spirit, look what it leads to. Life and peace. This is the promise of God. God is not wanting you to be entirely sanctified and holy to make you this rigid, boring, little straight-laced Christian. He wants to heal you. He wants to bring fullness in your life that you experience life and peace, security, love, our identity, our purpose, our value, right, is in Christ Jesus. We are free. In fact, I would say holiness is more than just H-O-L-Y. It's W-H-O-L, wholeness in our life. Because a lot of times when we release the control of our heart, release control of our fears, God, that's where God starts healing us. That's when the Lord starts calming us down and say, yes, this is your new you, right? You don't have to go back to the old things. You don't have to fear. I got your future. I got your present situation. I got those hurts in the past. Be free. Live through and in my spirit. But it takes surrendering. It's not always easy, but it's worth it. When we trade our selfishness, our control, for God's love and become selfless. This morning, this might be making sense to you. This might be hitting home, even though it's pretty uh, intimidating, um, convicting, maybe. But maybe in your, your spiritual journey, you're, you're sensing God touching your life and saying, Lord, um, I, I kind of have some control issues down underneath. And I do wrestle with it. And I don't know if I'm all in with God or not. But God is calling you to make that big decision to trust him with his love and his spirit to completely fill you. There's a couple things that we can do if, if that's what God is leading you. Is, is first of all, just kind of identify that and be honest with that. See, I'm not here talking about sin today and forgiveness. That's almost easy. What I'm talking about is what we all have underneath the surface, and that is our control and the fear of losing that control. And God's asking us to trust him. Would you trust him? Would you make the trade to raise the white flag and say, God, I I surrender. Man, I've been trying to control my life. I've been controlling the outcomes, my future, the past, the hurts. I'm done with it. I, I want you to come. I've released it. I surrender it. Come into my life completely. I'm willing to give you control. So would you just give us people a chance this morning, just this, this intimate time with Christ. Let's, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And one of the reasons I ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads, and maybe you're on, on online, you can do the same, is it gives people privacy. We don't need to be looking to the person next to us around us because God loves you so much that he's been trying to get the hold of your whole heart. This morning, would you give him just a couple more minutes? And I'm going to just walk you through a prayer, a response to this message. If you would feel God led to. So, so one of the things I'd like for you to do as our eyes are closed, heads are bowed, is to put our hands up, out, palms up like you're holding something. And I want you to let the Holy Spirit just tell you what, what, what you're trying to control. You know, maybe it is your career. Maybe it is your future. Maybe it is your dreams, your, your family. Maybe it's the past, the hurt, the abuse, all this that you're just 
needing to control. And could you just visualize Christ walking towards you and asking you to trust him with it? He knows what happened in the past. He knows what you're up against today that you're trying to control. He, he knows your dreams. He doesn't want to harm you, but he wants to give you a full life in him. If you would trust him right now by faith, would you have the courage to turn your hands over, symbolizing surrendering, relinquishing control? If you'd be willing to do that by faith, you turn your hands over and say, God, my future is yours. My hopes and dreams, my family, the things that I hold on to from the past, I'm just releasing and letting them go into your love. I can trust you with them. I'm going to let them go. There might be a tear that's coming into your eye because God is working in the very core who you are. At the same time, I'd like for you to reverse your hands and bring your hands, your palms back up. And symbolizing of receiving God's spirit, the fullness of his spirit. If God is love, if God has a Holy Spirit that's been waiting to fill you completely entirely, would you have the courage to do that? And so God, there's no more me anymore. I've surrendered that. I've let it go. Now fill me with your spirit, your personality, your power, your love. Take me, fill me, use me, control me. I am yours. Friends, if anyone has done that, I want you to just kind of look at me. Everybody else, if you just keep your heads down, please. If you made that prayer, say, God, I, I release it. You put your hands down and, and let God have I want you to look at me because what you just did is one of the most powerful, important things you do in your life because it's talking about the core of who you are and that's what Jesus wants. And I got good news for you. Now that you're off the throne, now that you're out of the way, God's love is going to entirely take over your life. And there might be some different feelings. There might be some different decisions in your life because now he has complete control of your life. Get ready. Get ready for some miracles. Get ready for some security and some confidence in your life because it's not you trying to manage. Life is, is Christ. Doesn't mean that, you gotta, you, you, that you're not going to re-up it often. Yes, God, you still are control, but I'm proud of you and God is proud of you. Now in this quiet moment, a private moment, I think one of the best things we can do when we make that decisions is to notify God and ourselves. We're not gonna ask you to raise a hand. We're not gonna ask you to come forward, but what we're gonna ask you to do is, is pull out a red card in front of you. It's called, what's your next step? And on this red card, you'll see a, a notice that says, today, that today I decided to. And, and there's a box that says, follow Jesus for the first time. And there might be someone watching us online. There might be someone here today. who's like, yeah, it's the first time in a long time that, that I know I need Jesus in my life. Mark that. But more importantly, maybe you've been a Christian and this message hit home that it's not so much about salvation. It's about your will. And today, 
by symbolizing and praying, God, I release everything to you. I'd like for you to take a pen that's in front of you and, and just mark off that box, recommit my life. And instead of using the word recommit, just kind of scratch that out and say, surrendered my life, surrendered my life, or I'm all in with you, Jesus. Make a note to yourself. And you're really, you're making a note to God. I'm all in, I've surrendered. And then we'd like for you to place that in one of our offering boxes on the way out, because I think it's good for you to tell God, I mean this. Today, I'm all in. I'm telling the church, I'm telling you, I'm gonna place this red note in that, that box that I've surrendered my life to you. And as a staff, we're going to be cheering you on. We're going to be praying for you because it's a major decision in your life. Heavenly Father, I pray for all those who took that step today to be entirely sanctified, holy, to be set apart. God, fill them completely. May the next couple of hours and days be different internally. That self is not running the ship anymore. They don't have to worry about control, but they can just worry about you flowing through them and living for you and with you. Help us now go in your love and your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.